Hello, colleagues, and welcome to another Five for Friday episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Today's shout out goes to Matthew Downing, host of the Diving Deep EDU podcast. Matthew was recently promoted to the role of Supervisor of Elementary Instructional Technology with the Upper Darby School District in Pennsylvania. He's also been having all kinds of great adventures this summer, and in the midst of all these changes, he was kind enough to have me on to episode 58 of the Diving Deep EDU podcast, where we talked about the journey from urgent to strategic. I'll put a link in the show notes, but thank you, Matthew. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Today's episode of Five for Friday recaps the strategic leadership emails for the week of October 16th through 20th, 2023. If leadership is influence, as leadership guru John Maxwell states, how do we influence people? If you read this week's emails, then you already know the answer is power. Embracing the power to lead is critical for several reasons. First, all forms of power are not created equal. You need to know the benefits and liabilities of each form. Second, because you hold power to influence others, you have an ethical obligation to use your power wisely and care for those whom you influence. Third, understanding the sources of your power allows you to cultivate and increase your power. And finally, most forms of power are not hierarchical meaning you can exert power, you can lead, regardless of your hierarchical position. You don't need to wait to lead. Use your power to lead now. Instead of recapping each day, I want to run through the forms of power and provide examples of how each one can be used by different members in your school. So let's look first at legitimate. This is the form of power we probably all think to first when we say power to lead. So legitimate power is the power that comes with the position. So if you're a teacher, by virtue of being the teacher, you have legitimate power to your students. As an assistant principal or principal, because of the position, you have power over your teachers. And likewise, because someone is a superintendent or director of leadership at the district level, that gives them legitimate power over principals. And so the use of legitimate power leads to compliance. And basically it's the kind of power that says you need to do this because I said to do it. 
Now, legitimate power is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. And really, it is the form of power that can open the door to the application of many of the other powers. But it is not a prerequisite to lead. The second form of power is informational. And this wasn't actually in the week's email. So if you're a close reader, you might be surprised by this one. Informational power is the power that comes with having specific information. So for example, if the teacher has information on college applications, then that is a form of power used with the high school seniors who are trying to get their college applications done. If the principal has information about teaching assignments for the next year or classroom assignments for the next year, that is a form of power. If I'm at the district office and working on a grant, the grantor has, may have a rubric which they're going to assess my grant. The information that's on the rubric gives them some power over me. It's important to understand some people withhold information as a way of keeping control, and that really has a two-edged impact on their influence or on their power. When I hold information, it increases my power over you, but in a negative way. And I have more control for that specific piece of information you want, but then I have less power outside of that. Because if I'm known as someone that's holding on to information in order to control, people are naturally going to find ways to work around me and go to other sources of information that are more free. And so that actually has a diminishing effect on my power. Another place that informational power can be used to great advantage by administrators is in looking at the data and deciding what narrative they want to use the data for. If we just look at our standardized testing data, that data can tell many stories. If we focus just on the improvements and that's the information that we highlight when we share with people, we're driving a narrative to talk about how great we're doing. If we look at the data around our disparities and highlight that, now we're driving a narrative of what do we need to do for certain groups of our, for certain populations in our school. So that's not as much a form of control, but it's how we, how we frame the information influences the discussion that we have. So that's actually a, a way to use informational power very effectively. The third form of power is expert power. So if I'm a chemistry teacher and you are planning to go be a doctor, I have lots of expert power because what you perceive is that I'm a person that can help you get to where you want to go because of my knowledge and my expertise. The same might hold true for a four-year-old or five-year-old kid who sees himself as being a poet or an author someday. And so that reading teacher has this very high level of expert power. For an assistant principal or principal who has expertise in a specific instructional area that a teacher wants to get better at, that's a form of power. 
But a broader form of that power is being able to ask reflective questions to get teachers to their own answers. So if I'm an assistant principal and I'm really good about having those conversations with teachers over their own practice, and I can ask insightful questions that help them get to their own answers, that still gives me expert power because I'm helping them to get to where they want to go. The next form of power is reward power. And we're all pretty familiar with that. We're very familiar with that in schools, and it is probably one of the most overused powers in schools. So teachers have that power over kids with gold stars and notes home and praise, and of course, A's on a report card or on the test. Assistant principals, principals have that power with teachers because we can support promotions. We can give teachers better teaching assignments or more coveted teacher assignments. We can allow them to take on additional responsibilities that maybe they want to be engaged in. We can give them more input and a louder voice. We also have those things like sticky notes and social media recommendations, Friday Jeans Day, and my favorite of all time, donuts. Just as we're familiar with reward power, we're probably also really familiar with coercive power. So for teachers to students, that looks like referrals, write-ups, detentions, silent lunch, note and call home, but it also can be more subtle like expressing disappointment or scowling or using sarcasm or rolling your eyes at students. For assistant principals and principals to teachers, that could look like things that detract from a contract or raises of some sort. It can include formal or informal write-ups, changing teaching assignments and giving somebody a harder or a worse schedule or taking them out of their preferred classes, moving somebody to the end of a hallway and isolating them physically from the rest of the staff, using intimidation or threats. These are all ways that administrators can, I'm not saying should, they can use power, use coercive power. The thing about coercive power that we have to really be careful of is that it creates resentment. Certainly there are times when sanctions need to be levied on people, but every time we level a sanction, we risk it becoming something that creates resentment, especially if people believe that the sanction is unwarranted. And finally, there's what I consider the most powerful form, and that's referent power. Referent power is the power that comes with, you're my favorite teacher, or someone's my mentor. We admire, we respect, we care for, and we don't wanna disappoint our mentors or our favorite teachers as people with referent power. Referent power, has a big impact because generally we want to emulate the people that are using that power. We want to please them. And so we, we are influenced in a way that very much goes to the core of who we are and how we identify ourselves. So clearly not all forms of power are equal. Referent power is the single most influential form. It's also the hardest to cultivate, but it comes from growing strong professional and strong personal relationships. We've already said coercive power should be used as minimally as possible. Reward power is good to use frequently. 
It's something that's easy, readily available in the environment. If you have that referent power, you actually, that amplifies your reward power, but use reward power as, as an extra and as an add-on. Don't make that your core way of motivating people because what happens is you then move intrinsic forms of motivation into extrinsic forms and people start behaving and doing things just for the reward. And that is not a great thing. Expert power, of course, is important. And then legitimate power, you're just going to walk in with. The thing about that, if you're in a legitimate power position, again, legitimate power opens the door and it gives you the time to establish and grow some of these other forms of power. And I think that's important. So here's the big takeaway. For all these forms of power, except legitimate, students hold the same powers over teachers and teachers hold the same powers over administrators. So think about a time that you struggled in your teaching and how you were getting pushback from students. They were maybe shouting out in class and disrupting class, but it could also take a much more nuanced approach where kids are sitting and just not engaging or rolling their eyes or looking bored and yawning while you're talking. Those are actually all coercive behaviors, right? They're, they're punishing you in a sense. So students hold that power over teachers and teachers can do those same things at us. When we're trying to do a professional development and you have three teachers in the back row grading papers, that's a form of punishment, right? Because it's saying that what you're doing with me is not valuable. I'm going to do this other thing. And of course, the same works for rewards. When kids are engaged and lighting up and they're smiling at us, that's giving us constant positive feedback and reinforcement. And we're more likely to keep doing the things that are making them smile than to do the things that aren't. And so that's exactly the way rewards work. We also can establish referent power with people that we aren't the boss of simply being a good person and building those relationships and really taking a deep interest and caring for people that creates a reciprocal bond. And of course you don't need to be the boss to be an expert. The final thing I would say and invite you to do is to really reflect on these different forms of power and think about the extent to which you use them and don't use them. I do an exercise in workshops where we take 100 points and we divide it between the different powers. And so people essentially come up with a percentage of use on their different powers, how they influence people. And when we do that, when you can understand kind of where your default is, then you can be intentional about nurturing multiple forms of power. Okay. I hope that's, that's been good enough. I hope this was a powerful five for Friday for you. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey and for listening to this episode of the assistant principal podcast. I look forward to seeing you again on Tuesday when I review some elements of creating a positive classroom culture. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Increasing those numbers helps other people find the show. You can find out more about me at frederickbuskey.com and I love getting feedback. So please consider sending me an email or connecting with me on LinkedIn. And of course, all those links are in the show notes. 
I'm Frederick Buskey. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. 